Hi there, and welcome along to another episode of A Serve of Leadership. My name is Ian Crawford, professional speaker, trainer, and coach specializing in leadership and influence. And this guy standing right next to me, joining me once again, the world renowned leadership coach and consultant, Ash Dash Ludy. Welcome back, Ash. Here Hello, again. How are you, champ? I'm good, bud. Yourself? Mate, really well. Really well. Tell me what's, uh, what's been good in your week this week? Uh, work. People are talking to me. <laughs> hey, you sound surprised by that. People are talking with you all the time. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's say this. They're talking to me and wanting to pay me to do it at some stage. So oh, work is starting to uh, crank up again. How about yourself? How's it all looking over your way? Man, I've had a good week. Yeah? I've had a good week. In fact, uh, the excitement of our week uh, has been that my sister had twins this week. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Congratulations. Two baby girls. Uncle Ash. Um, well, Uncle Ash again, yes, that's right. So these are, well, technically her second and third. Yeah. And everyone's all happy, healthy. and Good. That's the yeah. important one, huh? Yeah. Which so, is mate, really what good. are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about um, some stuff that's been popping up in a few coaching sessions that I've had, uh, where leaders have actually said, how do I become a more effective leader? So actually, how do I just get better at my job of being a leader? What, and what are the couple of things that I can focus on to improve that? We decided we'd have a bit of a look at that. Now, obviously, that is, you know, tailored to each individual person, right? So it's going to be a little bit different. Certainly from the last number of, number of years in particular, here's some common things that have come up for me during that time. So what do you reckon about that? I think that is a good one. Okay. It is one of the common ones. Our leaders are always under stress and under pressure to perform and one of the reasons they're not doing this is because they're not that effective in the delivery of their leadership so this you're right it is a very common desire for leaders to talk about this one so mate uh, is it my turn or your turn to go first this week oh mate certainly uh, age before beauty <laughs> i'm still not <laughs> sure which one that is <laughs> all right i'll just i'll just go first how's that Okay. So uh, the first one is my first tip to leaders to be more effective is to ask themselves, what does success look like? And that is very simple, but foundational to being effective is being able to answer the question. If I'm a successful leader, how will I know? What mm. will I see my team doing? How would I know that I've been successful? Now it's so foundational because Everything else I make decisions after that comes back to this point. It, it comes from our friend Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he found mm. highly effective, efficient people, in particular leaders, uh, they always began with the end in mind. Now, like a lot of the stuff that we talk about in this, it sounds so obvious. But time and time again, in either a training situation or in a coaching situation, where I ask people, say, they say, oh, come and help us coach, be a better coach. A leader, no problems. One of the first questions I ask is, how will you know you're being successful as a leader? They usually pause and you can see them uh, for the next 30 seconds. They're just grabbing words out of the air, making stuff up. I, I want this to be part of their DNA, that when they do get to a point where they need to make decisions of whether I need to do task A or task B, it comes back to this foundational conversation of what success looks like. Also, if we set up this, uh, in our mind about what success looks like and we really commit to it, I truly believe that subconscious brain starts moving us towards it. Hmm. Sounds a simple tip, sounds straightforward, but very few leaders do it. And the key to it is detailed. 
I want good communication. Uh, I want commitment by my team is comments I get all the time. I want to be able to live it. I want to be able to see it. Absolutely know and feel what the leader is feeling once they describe it to me. So there's my step number one, always begin with the end of mind. What does success look like? So quick question for you there mm -hmm. is what's one of the things that you think helps people really boil that down to a clear picture of what success looks like? How do they go about doing that? I call it tree time. Tree time. I don't want to be flippant about it, but I don't, this is something that keeps evolving as your experiences and knowledge uh, as a leader continues. So if I'm a superintendent or a frontline leader for a while, and suddenly I put into middle management, mm. I wouldn't expect them to know exactly what they want to be around successful the very first day. So I call it tree time, which means they've got to give themselves some time, quiet time, not when mm -hmm. they're on the go, to go ask the question and just really analyze what they're saying to each other and be comfortable with refining it as they go on. This is not something that just appears. It's not something you're born with uh, and evolves and you've got to spend time thinking about it. Mm. Would be actually make, making the space for that kind of thinking. Yeah. In your experience, do you think leaders are actually doing that? Look, it's, it's pretty difficult for them. So I think the very best leaders create time to do that. They actually make the time. They understand the importance of it. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas most leaders, we, we get pulled from pillar to post and, and get caught up sometimes into the day-to-day -day, and it can easily then slip out of the routine of things that people are trying to do. I think this is also a really good one. If, if we really expand the definition of leadership into sporting clubs or you know, coaches or parents, even yeah yeah this is a really great one you know what does successful parenting look like what does successful sport coaching look like you know how do i want to be remembered you know all those sort of questions is a really mm. powerful one to do mm. and you know the very few co the very few leaders that i've worked with that have done this exceptionally well you can just tell you can just tell as they wander through their day how they respond to things how they react to things they just are very comfortable with that when things are even going bad or not the way they want, they just feel comfortable that they'll bring it back because they know where to bring it back to. Yep. Those leaders who don't do this process will get caught up in the day-to-day -day of, you know, things are going bad and they'll get caught up and they'll run with the emotion. Then they'll be exhausted and they'll come back and as soon as they sit down, some other emotional response will be thrown upon them and away they go again. It's one of those untangible things that you can't put words to. You can just tell. Getting there is something very, very straightforward that they can do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what I, wisdom have you got for us? Well, look, and I think it extends, it extends well off, off what you were talking about there. Uh, I was thinking about this a lot uh, and trying to map back to a lot of the leaders that I've worked with and, and sort of extract out what I thought the, the very best were doing. And, and what has stood out for me is leaders' ability to think strategically. And I think that is a wonderful skill. And, and I think it, it, pig, it piggybacks off your, your point really well. Mm -hmm. So if we say what is strategic thinking, it's ways of being able to look at things in sort of more of a broader and, and even longer perspective right, mm -hmm. than usual. So it's pulling yourself out of the day-to-day. -day. It's allowing you to look at things through the lens of the bigger picture, through the lens of whether it's the business strategy or what, what that team goal is, that skill of strategic thinking is brilliant. Exactly as you've described, allows people look at things in context to not get caught in the day-to-day -day things, not get 
pulled always from pillar to post because they're always able to realign as to what is important. What I want to point out in particular is that strategic thinking is not strategic planning. So a lot of people that we talk to go, okay, so do I need to go away for a couple of days and, you know, really think about things and, and either get my leadership team together or get the whole team together to think about where we want to go. No, no, that's, that is stuff that is critically important, but happens every now and then and is as often say done by senior leaders. Strategic mm. thinking is really something done by everyone uh, and really good leaders and really good teams find out not only how to do it themselves, but they teach others how to do it because then it multiplies the impact of what happens. So, so I you... know that the question in your head there is, well, what, what are the pieces to helping to do that? I could just see it. It was bursting out on your lips there. I'm sure I would have said it better, but much better. Absolutely. No question. Absolutely. No question. question. (laughs) There's probably five pieces for me. So number one, get really good at challenging your assumptions. Mm. So whether that's assumptions at a team level, whether that's assumptions, even at a, you know, a department level or assumptions on how we do things as a business, get really good at challenging those assumptions. And you do that by being curious, you know, is there a better way? Why do we do it this way? Those Mm. kind of things become really useful. So number one for me, challenge assumptions. Number two, get good at identifying trends. So look for patterns that are arising, you know, and where you can challenge them or where you can make use of them in that side of things. And whether that is, again, within what's happening within your team or whether it's it's happening at a, a larger perspective. Thirdly, I'd say look for signs that point to opportunities or particular challenges coming your way. And take some time to think about the different um, outcomes that could possibly happen. So you're not always being surprised by things along the way, that you're actually getting the opportunity to almost kind of forward plan and to, you know, have a few plan A, plan Bs in that perspective, which then means there's less surprises, right? You've often thought about things before they come. Number four, when you take time to think, make sure you use those insights. So what does that mean? Decide what you're going to do and what you're going to focus on and decide what you're not going to do, right? And I think the second part of that is probably equally important, but everyone uh, forgets about. So we always say, okay, well, yeah, what do we want to focus on? But we don't actually stop to say, actually, what are we not going to focus on as well? The final little point, which I think resonates well with something that you mentioned before, is when we get caught into that day-to-day, that busyness, we lose the ability to to think strategically. So being, making sure that you're taking regular breaks, that you are managing your own energy levels so that you don't automatically slip into that reactive mode mm. um, becomes really powerful in being able to engage in that strategic thinking piece. So they were, they were things that came up for me that I thought would work really well in this piece. I think then leads very nicely uh, into my next point <laughs> about, setting priorities and if we go way back to when you started talking about the first point was about saying that they have to be strategic thinkers there is going to be a point in their day where they're either consciously or subconsciously going to say okay where do I spend my time do I do it strategically or do I do it operationally and very tactically Mm. the leaders need to make a decision at that fork in the road to which direction they go setting those priorities around what they should be doing is a really high thing on my what I coach and what I talk about, the key to be able to have those conversations is to go to my first point about what success looks like, 
holding that really tight. And then when multiple opportunities come to them during the day is going, okay, which, which activity, which task, which conversation am I going to take or put in place or do that allows me to lead to that? Not mm. want to do, or which one would I enjoy most? Which one would be most exciting? Which one leads me to that end point of success? So ultimately the leaders need to, again, in a quiet time, not in a busy time, that's a bad time to ask this question. What are things that I should be doing and shouldn't be doing that allows for my team to reach the end of success point and for me to be the leader I need to be? So, and, so in terms of the, um, that ability to be checking in, right? See how mm, they are going. Do you, have a, do you have a cycle that you work with people on around that or do you have a, a routine that you get them on to be able to create that check-in stage of whether yeah. they are focusing on the right things? Yeah, this comes back to something that you said two or three weeks ago uh, in regards to doing some planning beforehand. Mm. <laughs> so one of the really interesting things that I get my groups to do in particular is to write down all the tasks they are called upon to do over a month, which is a big list. And then I get them to have uh, a close look at that and going, okay, if you had to choose the top five, not the top five that you like doing, the top five (laughs) that gives us the biggest return on investment, the biggest impact on your team and the business, what would they be? And they go, they choose five. Mm. And I say, great, choose five, now number them. And they go, one, two, three, four, five. And then we get play around with it more, more and we'll actually go to the opposite end going, okay, what are the, the, the things that are just wasting times? You're just filling time that don't make no impact in regards to your leadership impact and your impact on the business. Mm. And they identify that five. And my first thing is get rid of it because that bottom, bottom five is usually stuff they can definitely get rid of and never do again, or more importantly, delegate off. Delegate. Yeah. So they got to get rid of it. So, the next thing would be they rock up on a Monday morning. They put their briefcase down, turn the computer on, get their coffee because that's always essential. Briefcase? And Who carries briefcases these days? What world do you live in? High, uh, very high, powerful leaders. That, <laughs> maybe I've just slipped into a movie of some description. <laughs> Back in the 50s, I think, yeah. Leaders in the movies always carry briefcases. When they sit down and before they even check their emails, they will look at the top five things and it can be five. It's an arbitrary number, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is. But mm. I never say more than 10 because then it just gets too easy to start jamming stuff in. So let's mm. say top five. And I say, okay, you sit down before you start the day saying, okay, I need to, my highest priority is number one. And I look at what the number one is. Now, sometimes mm. I go, nope, don't need to do that today. Then they move on to number two. Nope, don't need to do that today. Done that. It's only once a month, whatever it is. Number three, that's what I've got to work on now. They then set off on that. Mm-hmm. Now, if something new comes in, so you rush into my office, you bang on the door and go, hey, Cross, I need you to do this. My next decision is going, okay, I've got my top, top, top five. Here's this new thing. Where does it sit? Now, sometimes it's going to be at, the, at number one. It's going to trump everything that I've got to do. In a perfect world, if the CEO walks into my office as a GM and said, Cross, I need you to do something, that becomes number one in a perfect world. Most times the, the CEO is working too low anyway, and you make a decision. Mm. So you've got in our framework where it, where it sits. If it doesn't sit in that top five or top six or top seven, you can turn around to the person going, okay, here's what I'm going to do first. And then I'm going to get to you. Is that okay? Or I'm going to get to it on a Thursday or a Friday, whatever it's going to be. But you can then make a, a logical decision on where it mm. sits rather than the emotional. 
because the human brain will go after the reactive emotional thing that just walked into my office more than the impact stuff. Yeah. And if we start getting around that, we start role modeling and we get other people below us to start doing that. Suddenly this line of sight from CEO all to the guy, all the way to the, the apprentice who's arrived on work today, everyone is doing exactly what they need to do to make the greatest impact. And that helps from a team point of view, but in particular, what we're talking about today is leadership. It makes a massive difference. And that's, and, a, that's a great, simple little tip there. I like it. Yeah. Tell me what your third one is. My third one? Mm. My third one is a little bit different to the first two, is willing to be influenced. You know, the, one of the areas that I'm really interested in is how we get our leaders more influential in regards to their communication and their influence and their presence. One of the really important things around being influential and sometimes we forget when we talk about this is also the ability to be influenced. And stereotypically, leaders are seen as these people who are all knowing they have all the answers and, a bit, and have the ability to say the right thing at the right time in the right place. In this fast paced, ever changing, constantly surprising us world, there's very few leaders that have the ability to do that. And it's only probably leaders of really small businesses that could do that, that have the ability to you know, just look outside their office and see everything that's going on. But the desire to hear from other people and more importantly from those people who have probably got more knowledge and expertise around the topic you're talking about than you and being able to listen and have people challenge your view and ideas are having a building a culture where all the information is brought together to consider before making decision mm. is a really important one. Now there's going to be times when the lead just has to make snap decisions and they're going to be wrong. That's not what we're talking about every mm. single time, but there's going to be important decisions that they need to make that the leader needs more information, more guidance, more ideas. And we have to be okay with that because I don't judge leaders on the decisions they make. I judge leaders on the success that they have. So if someone else comes up with a better decision to get to that success, then so be it. Even the youngest people that are coming into our industries now, you know, they give a very different point of view than me at my age group. They see things different, but I've got to be open to hear that, weave that into my knowledge and experience to get the very best decision. That can be a challenge for a lot of leaders because they perceive themselves as a font of all knowledge. Well, and so let me take you back to your very first very first statement there mm. around willingness to be influenced by others. So be, being that we, you're providing a wonderful um, free coaching session at the moment, um, explain to me some of the how around what you mean by willingness. Because I think to me, willingness was the really critical word there. Well, it comes back to the two things that you said. Firstly is leadership is a very conscious thing. Mm. Is, you know, really challenging those assumptions around the leader being the font of all knowledge that, you know, the example we always use is the orchestra. The guy out the front twirling the baton isn't an expert in every single piece of uh, instrumentation that's in front of them, but they're experts mm. in bringing them together. And that's the equivalent that if we want to be better at a violin solo, I'm not going to ask the conductor. I'm going to ask the, the person who plays the best violinist to give me some advice before I move them to where possibly they fit within the bigger organization. So consciously doing that. And asking themselves saying, well, how am I making that decision? Is it just an assumption or do I really know? Have I got all the information? I think great communicators and great influencers are based around the ability to ask 
great, or you said this as well, great curious questions mm. to themselves and to other people. For what reason am I thinking that? Uh, for where did I get that information? Why do I believe this? You know, things like that really opens you up consciously to go, okay, wait on a second. I'm just making an assumption. And that assumption is based on knowledge that I got 15 years ago. Mm. Now, I, haven't, I haven't stood next to that piece of machinery or I haven't purchased you know, a million dollar truck in 30 years. How would I know what to do here? Etc. Etc. So then saying, well, where can I find that information and seeking out that information before I make that decision? And so it's about that consciousness and also about challenging that assumption. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really like your, I guess, your concept of curiosity there. Mm. I think that idea of curiosity, if leaders can challenge themselves to practice curiosity as regularly as possible, it really helps in those situations mm. and maps back into, I guess, some of the ingredients I was talking about in the strategic thinking aspect, you know, that idea of challenging your assumptions and, and also in particular understanding your biases that actually filter or set up these assumptions that you have mm. and being able to, to lean into them curiously and go, hang on a second, is this really the way that it is? And is this really what's going on? There's, it reminds me of a wonderful comment by a lady called Margaret Heavenen. And if you haven't seen, she's done a couple of TED Talks. Mm -hmm. So it's really worth um, having a look at. And obviously, you know, if I've mentioned this before, just edit it out. Uh, so Margaret Heavenen has this, uh, this line in one of her TED Talks where, you know, she's talking about teams and the power of teams. And it's that no idea is born fully formed. And knowing that even if a leader or another individual comes up with an idea, it's the conversations we have around it. It's the curiosity and the teasing out of it that actually turns that idea into something really powerful and practical in that sense links beautifully back into this idea of willingness to be influenced by others and not standing as the, as you said, the font of all knowledge, but that mm. confidence to be able to, run off an, an idea meritocracy, right? Where we're just going to take the best idea and run with that rather than thinking about, oh, okay, well, who came up with it or does it have to be me? Things like that. So I think you've got, and I, I like the way that you've sort of summarized that piece well. Thank you. So mate, I've done a lot of talking today. It must be your turn again. What have you got for us? Mate, I don't have uh, I don't have anything else to add. I think you've really covered off a number of really key ingredients. I think they weave into uh, my world of uh, or my skill of strategic thinking, and the elements that I, I broke down in there. So there's nothing for me to add. I think you've covered it off perfectly, mate. So well, we'll grace people with a short session today. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> so, so if you missed out on our previous weeks and you would like to catch up then click on the link below that will take you to our playlist in our YouTube and catch up and enjoy the other ones that we've done. If you have a topic or question that you'd like Ash and I to cover, then please contact us on the details below. Always a pleasure to chat with you, Ash. Hey, thank you, Crofts. Pleasure was all mine. And thank you to everyone else that's joined us today and we will see you next week.